when you think of the Big Ten, and more specifically the Big Ten East, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State come to mind. If you go outside the East, the other commonly known program would be Wisconsin, maybe Iowa and Nebraska would fit in there. You typically don't think of the other schools, and when it comes to the Big Ten East, especially Maryland and Rutgers are afterthoughts. Maryland finished in the middle of the road in the Big Ten East this year. They finished ahead of Michigan State, ahead of Indiana, and ahead of Rutgers. It was Maryland's best season in football in around a decade, if not more than a decade. They finished ranked 35th in simple ranking system, around the same ranking in ESPN Football Power Index. Their defense went from nearly like bottom 30 in the country to residing inside the top 50. Talia Tagovailoa had another above-average-slash-good campaign that probably would have been superior to his 2021 campaign if not for some injuries. Maryland, because of injuries and likely just because the the talent on the team was exhausted and the coaching and mental toughness, they kind of fell apart toward the end of the 2022 campaign. At times in September and October, Maryland looked like a potentially top 25 team, and I had them ranked as such in my top 25. And then November happened, and in November, they lost to Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State, lost to 13 points at Wisconsin, lost to 30 and got shut out at Penn State, contended with Ohio State at home when Ohio State was in a look-ahead spot to Michigan, but ultimately lost by 13, they shut out Rutgers 37 to nothing, and they redeemed their November collapse after starting six and two, then finishing seven and five. They redeemed partially their November collapse by beating only their second top 25 team in the Mike Loxley era by defeating North Carolina State, who was ranked number 23rd, 16 to 12 in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. They received some votes in both polls. They finished 8-5, and 4-5 and five in the Big Ten, 4th in the Big Ten East. And they were certainly a top 7 Big Ten team this past season, which is good for Maryland, and it also goes to show how weak the Big Ten was outside of Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. The question is, can Maryland take that next step? We've seen Michigan State do it. We've seen Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan consistently be inside the top three of their own division or close to since 2015. We have seen that. And even Indiana, they had some success in 2019. They were the second best team in the entire Big Ten in 2020. I know that was a COVID year, but it still counts. All the games they lost in were pretty close games, to say the least. It was a fluke year, yes, but Maryland's pretty much in the company of Rutgers, who joined the Big Ten in the year 2014. It's these two teams 
who to a certain degree don't even belong in the Big Ten, similarly to Nebraska. And they have not broken through at all. Rutgers hasn't even went to a bowl game. I know they went to the Gator Bowl in 2021. They were 5-7. and seven. It shouldn't have happened. I don't get why 5-7 and seven teams go to bowl games. It's a cool story when they go to the bowl games at 5-7 and seven and they win, but in my perfect world, a 5-7 and seven team should, should not go bowling. It's just my opinion. You shouldn't get rewarded for finishing under 500. And we'll see what kind of a job Greg Schiano can do or if he will fail and resign or get fired from Rutgers. But that's a different story. With Maryland, they have broken through. For two seasons in a row, they finished above the 500 mark. One required them to win their bowl game. The other, they finished above the 500 mark in the regular season. That was in 2022. Every year since Mike Loxley came to Maryland, they have improved. They went from 3-9 and nine in 2019 to 2-3 two in 2020 to 7-6 and six in 2021 and to 8-5 and five in 2022. They are 2-0 oh in their bowl games under Mike Loxley and someone who is often talked about as the Big Ten's worst head coach is slowly but surely building up a program that has not seen any success since the Ralph Friedgen era. So, in my opinion, for Maryland to break through, it's a tough ask, is one. It's a very tough ask. Now, they are, they're near Virginia, they're near Pennsylvania, they're they're in Maryland, they're near Delaware, New Jersey, you know, North Carolina, you know, they're 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 situated fairly nicely actually on the east coast they have talent around them and this is something that we'll talk about more is maryland has been contending at times for top 25 recruiting classes they have greater talent and they have greater access to talent through local pipelines than michigan state does than rutgers does then northwestern then wisconsin minnesota even nebraska i'm not talking about like nationwide recruiting connections you know nebraska and michigan they're not in the most talent rich states but they have a reputation they've had success they have a history they have money resources they care about football so even at times where they aren't successful or when they're not in the most talent-rich states, or maybe their states just have a, a meh high school recruiting cycle, and there aren't too many great players coming from that state in that specific year. They can go big time. They can go nationally. Maryland can't necessarily do that. Maryland is still finding its identity as a Big Ten team. You watch Maryland play. I'd argue even Rutgers has found its identity in the Big Ten Conference in football before Maryland has. Maryland is purely offense. Their defense was actually ranked ahead of their offense this season, but the way they play, the spread, the focus on the quarterback and skill positions, but not on the trenches or toughness up front. It's changing, I think, a little bit with Roman Hemby and some of the O-line production that's returning, but they have largely played like an ACC team. They've largely played like a team that's not a Big Ten team. 
similar to Nebraska under Scott Frost, and similar to Ohio State under Ryan Day. But that they're an outlier, Ohio State is, when it comes to playing non-Big Ten football. Because here's the dirty secret about playing in the North and playing in the Big Ten. The dirty secret is, unless you largely outnumber the rest of the conference in talent, the spread, the speed, the, you know, the small but quick guys, when winter comes and they're slowed down, it gives the big guys, the slower teams, but the big physical teams that they're slow, but when they hit you, they KO you. It gives it gives them an advantage when October and November roll around and your your muscles become more tense and less relaxed. And that's Ohio State's that's part of Ohio State's problem with Michigan. It was exposed in 2021. 2022 is good weather, but the scheme isn't exactly built for the conference. It's not built for November matchups. It's not and look. It's not just that either. It's just not Big Ten football. And not only that, but Maryland isn't a team that has tons of five stars or four stars. They have less talent than Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State by a mile. They even have less talent than Nebraska and Wisconsin. They're barely top seven in Big Ten talent. So talent goes against them. They're in the toughest division of the Big Ten, a division that annually contends for being the toughest division in the entire college football landscape. So they have a tough schedule year in, year out. They do not have a talent advantage. Their identity, when it relates to the Big Ten, when it relates to themselves, in my opinion, is questionable. And they have had consistent defensive struggles in a conference that is mainly, again, outside of Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State, I think are teams that at, at times they have shown that even with their defensive identities and their desire to run the football, they can have moments where their offenses outshine the other side of the ball. The Big Ten's a largely defensive conference. Largely. And Maryland has a lot of work to do. And the dirty secret, another one, is that Maryland is not even top seven in the Big Ten returning production. They return 64% of their production. That's 65th nationally. They're 68th on offense, 66th on defense. They lost a great majority of their wide receiver core. Dante Demas, Jayshon Jones, Rakeem Jarrett declared early. Um... Corey Deitches at tight end return, but C.J. Dupree departed, transferred to Alabama. They lost some offensive linemen. Roman Hemby comes back. Talia Tagovailoa comes back. I already mentioned Corey Deitches. Ty Felton, Jacob Copeland, they're also back as well. And Jayshon Barham, probably one of, if not the best defensive player for Maryland. He's back along with some other defensive players. But once again in the portal, Maryland has lost a lot of guys, especially on defense, to the transfer portal. They've also had guys on offense and defense come into the transfer portal. They're top 20 in the portal. They have the number 16th transfer portal class. And if Maryland and Mike Loxley continue to utilize the portal, 
and they get back to having those near top 25 recruiting classes consistently, develop those players, try and minimize some roster attrition, because the amount of outgoing transfers Maryland has had year in, year out, that's not addition by subtraction. That's not kicking off the worst guys on the team and bringing in new blood. That's just, that's movement. Whether that movement is majorly positive or majorly negative depends on one's opinion and is, you know, subject to multiple points of view. But the amount of outgoing transfers that Maryland saw last year and this year means that Maryland is possibly viewed as a a stepping stone program. And that does not help Maryland's case to break through. At some point, they have to beat a quality Big Ten opponent and not just beat up on smaller teams. Maryland in 2022. Let's look at their Big Ten record. They beat Michigan State, who was 5-7. and seven. They beat Indiana, who was 4-8. and eight. They beat Northwestern, who was 1-11. And, and Rutgers, who was 4-8. No Big Ten team that they beat had a winning record. They beat a 7-6 and six SMU, a 3-9 and nine Charlotte, and a 7-6 and six Buffalo. Their best win was against an NC State team that was overrated because, for whatever reason, pollsters don't react to injuries at all. Ben Finley was not Devin Leary. Not even close. NC State was not, I repeat, not a top 25 team in that bowl or for the majority of the year. They were not a top 25 team. Leary wasn't the same, and once he was injured, the season was just, it was over. And then Leary transferred to Kentucky, and we'll see how that works out in 2023. In 2021, it's a pretty similar story for Maryland. Maryland beat Illinois, who's 5-7. and seven. Indiana, who's 2-10, and, and Rutgers, who was 5-8. and eight. They did not beat anyone of significance. Any team that had significance and they played, whether it was Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan State, or Michigan, they surrendered 40 points or more to them and did not score more than 21. They also lost to Minnesota and Penn State. They lost to those teams by two touchdowns or more in 2021. You look at 2022 and go back there, and they were much more competitive. Their biggest loss of the year was on the road at Penn State in a a game that I can only describe as Penn State was very angry, very motivated, and on fire, and Maryland was broken. But they played competitively with Ohio State and Michigan. They only lost to Purdue by two. And the Wisconsin game, wasn't as close as the score indicates, but only two bad losses on the road. It is much an improvement compared to 2021. Maryland brings in two key transfers, going back to the transfer portal class. Two key transfers in Caden Prather and Tyrese Chambers. Maryland had tons of talent at wide receiver last year, same in 2021, They lose much of that talent, so they got to bring in men to replace Jayshon Jones, Dante Demas, and Rakeem Jarrett. Tyrese Chambers is a senior from Baltimore, Maryland, 6'1", 195 pounds. He has 51 receptions 
for 544 yards, four touchdowns, and he averages 10.7 yards per reception. That was this past season in 2022. He started off at a lower division school before transferring to FIU. In 2021, he had 1,074 receiving yards, nine receiving touchdowns, and he averaged 23.9 yards per reception. I'm confident that with Mike Loxley in at Maryland and whoever they have at OC, if they even hire an OC, we know that Mike Loxley is very much capable of calling plays as he's showed us at Alabama and at Maryland. But I think that Tyrese Chambers will thrive because Maryland for sure has a better supporting cast than FIU. FIU is one of the worst programs in Division I FBS football. Caden Prather is 6'4", 211 pounds, sophomore, also from Maryland, born in Montgomery Village. 52 receptions, 501 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns. He averaged 9.6 yards per reception. West Virginia this year was a disaster. I have no clue how Neil Brown was retained, and any good player at West Virginia, even if you're hearing this right now, leave leave them retaining neil brown after this past season might be more of a mistake than nebraska retaining scott frost after 2021 because at least 2021 nebraska got up was prepared for every game and made every game entertaining and nearly beat several top 10 teams west virginia is a dumpster fire maryland used to be but West Virginia is what Maryland used to be. Maryland, again, this video is not this video isn't talking about whether Maryland's like a good or, or bad program. They're an average program. They're a program that I think overall, on the books, is on the rise. But the question is, will they break through? Or are they going to be largely stuck at having a ceiling that is fourth, maybe third best in the conference? Because the Big Ten East, which will probably cease to exist after 2023, if USC and UCLA and possibly some other teams do indeed join the Big Ten, but the East, looking back on it, or if somehow the division continues and UCLA, USC move to the West, and then one Big Ten West team moves to the East, it will be largely and historically dominated by Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. It's only those four that have won the East. Michigan State won it one year. Penn State has won it one year. Michigan's won it two years. And Ohio State, well, Ohio State has won it like four, not even like four, like five years. 18, 19, 20, 17, 14. Yeah, five years. So getting in a new team, new blood, I asked the question just because it would be entertaining. Like seeing Minnesota in 2019 somehow beat Iowa or Wisconsin and then somehow beat Ohio State in Indy, it's a dream, a dream that'll likely never happen. But like the ultimate Cinderella story, those are impressive. Those are cool stories. What TCU did this year with less star talent than what Maryland ha has is impressive. These teams can break through. The question is, will they? 
and returning Talia Tagovailoa and Roman Hemby, that's huge. Especially the latter. Roman Hemby is a guy, a player that I really like. As a freshman, a redshirt freshman, he rushed for 989 yards, 10 rushing touchdowns, 5.3 yards per carry. He dominated, dominated opponents when his line protected him. He excelled. He also had, on the receiving end of things, 33 receptions for 298 yards, averaged 9 yards per reception, and had one receiving touchdown. Roman Hemby is going to continue to grow. Give him a good supporting cast. He'll do even better this coming season. I anticipate he'll cross that 1,000-yard mark. For Talia Tagovailoa, a slight overall regression compared to 2021. He had a 142 passer rating this year. He had a 151 passer rating last year. But he returns. He's going to get another year of development. There's no doubt that he has that NFL potential. So we'll see what he brings and what and how Tyrese Chambers and Caden Prather can help him along with his returning receivers and Corey Deitches, Ty Felton, Jacob Copeland, Octavian Smith, and many others. And on the defensive side of the ball, I don't necessarily know how Maryland did it because of the amount of players and depth they lost in their front seven, but their secondary was serviceable. And they went from the 98th defense in 2021 scoring to the 43rd. So Maryland's doing something right. The question just is, will they break through? And I encourage you to answer that question down in the comments below. Tell me, do you think that Mike Loxley and Maryland can, in a certain sense, shock the world and take that next step? Even if it's just for a year, even if it's like once every five years, can they threaten. I'm a Michigan fan, and I love it when Michigan State, Penn State, and especially for reasons of the pertaining to the game, I love it when Ohio State is good as well. I love competition. But at some point, it's also fun to see teams that are completely new and teams that I may not even necessarily like come out of nowhere and have a Cinderella story. It builds uniqueness and story to the sport. Please subscribe if you haven't already, like this video, hit the notification bell, comment your thoughts down below, and if you're listening via Spotify, please follow the channel. Have fun, guys. There will be a video on Sunday, I believe, despite the Super Bowl being that day. Thank you all for watching. Bye-bye.